The Providence College Friars. Will the party ever end tonight The Big East. And the rest of the college hoops world. You know that the party will not end. This is the Providence Crier Podcast with your host, a PC grad standing in at four feet tall. He is the Providence Crier himself, Mike Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Province Crier Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Surratt, the Province Crier. Follow me on Twitter. That's at Province Crier. Read our blog, theprovincecrier.com. Join with me, as always. We have BOC in the house. Follow him on Twitter at BOC all day. Today is Friday, February 2nd. Um, BOC, we... We were just dead this week after the Georgetown weekend uh, from last weekend. So, you know, we wanted to get a pot out, uh, you know, Thursday after the UConn game uh, to both recap the UConn game and preview Nova, but it just wasn't in the cards for us. Uh, you know, it also know. didn't. It also didn't help that the Nova or uh, the UConn game was seven hours long. Yes, and of course, of course, we will get to that. Um, but, 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 yeah. So. Apologies on no episode. I was thinking about doing a spaces to supplement, but here we are. We're going to record this thing now. We're going to get it out as soon as possible. Um, so, so you guys can listen over the weekend when PC will take on Villanova on Sunday night. Um, all right. So PC goes to number one UConn on Wednesday night. As BRC said, the game took forever. Uh, 8.30 tip initially. This thing doesn't end up tipping off until uh, 8.45, and that was due to, um, oh, who was playing? I had the game on. Xavier and St. John's. Yep. And, and Xavier got a big home win against the Johnnies. Um, so the game starts late. And, man, oh, man, this thing took forever because there was freaking 46 foul calls the entire game in regulation. And – you had a normal regulation college basketball game in the East, uh, like in New England, start at 8.45, and the game took like two hours and 39 minutes or something like that because of the ref show. Um, and it's unfortunate, but that was definitely the lead for all those watching the game. The lead for everybody, and I think it's it's rare when the winning team and the losing team has the same exact – reaction to the game it's the refs took away from potentially a really fun explosive physical game by dictating the entire flow of the game and and the flow was that there was no flow um a couple complaints well i'll start by saying this the refs did providence no favors the 2018 28 to 18 foul discrepancy is notable um, I think the lack of foul calls on Devin Carter on his drives, both in transition and the half court set, notable as well. The reason they lost is because of free throw shooting. You can talk about, you know, contr- control the controllables. The controllables are making your free throws. You can't control biases or the way a ref's calling a game. You just can't control that. You can control making your free throws. And to go 50%, um, from the line going 13 to 26 is unacceptable. And 
50% is a little bit skewed because they made a couple at the end to get it to 50%. They were under 50% for most of the game. Um, so early in the 30s. <laughs> yeah, they were in their 30s. Yeah, it was atrocious. So while we can complain about the refs, and I think, I mean, we'll talk about it a bit more. You have every right to complain about the refs. Uh, the reason they lost is because they didn't do the things that they should do, and that's making free throws. We talked about it all non-conference. It's gotten a little bit better, but it reared its ugly head in this one because I think I I have to look now. I think they're the worst free throw shooting team in all of the Big East. The percentage they should, wise, they should be. I mean, th- they were trending that way, and then they had two games in a row uh, where they shot really well from the line. Uh, but then obviously this one coming back. I mean, I mean, like against Georgetown, they go uh, they go. Hold on. They go 23 of 27, 85%. Like, that's what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the game against Seton Hall on the road, um, they shoot uh, 94%, 16 of 17. So, yeah, it was – Tim English even said this in his press conference. You know, we, we started to trend up, and, and then this was obviously a step back with that. Um, so I just I just looked it up really quick. They are last in the Big East by actually a noticeable margin. They're worse in the Big East at sixty eight point nine percent. The next closest team is St. John's at seventy point five. I would have yeah. to imagine though they shoot in the top half of the league in terms of attempts. That'd be my guess. Let's look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take a peek. Yeah. Um, so they're they're fourth. They're fourth in no, attempts. No, yeah. So that that's that's not good. That's not good. They're really great. They're really great at getting to the line, but they can't make any shots for shit. So that's that's not good. No, it's it's not a good recipe. But um, you know, I personally, I think it's more than the free throws, though, because you miss thirteen, you lose by nine. Like, sure, you could say, well, if they made nine of the thirteen, they you know they'd be tied and going overtime. If they made 10, 13, they wouldn't again. But to me, I, I think another key, and I wrote about this in the recap, and Kim English even said this too. It was his two keys: defensive rebounding in the second half, like like the the battle on the boards. Just they just got crushed. Um, yeah. You know, they, they were they were plus six going into halftime, boc, and finished the game minus eight. So think about that. Like they got absolutely destroyed on the glass in the second half. It's unfortunate because. You know, you watch the first half of that game. The guys were battling. Like, you, you got Pierre skying for rebounds. Corey Floyd skying for rebounds. Devin Curry doing his thing, getting rebounds. So, you know, it, it was disappointing to see. But but you knew that was going to be tough for them anyways going into this game. Um, it's just unfortunate they just couldn't, you know, if they kept it close where, where UConn might have been like plus two by the end of the game, you know, I, I feel like that that was a major impact as well. Um, the, the Oduro having foul trouble kind of showed itself in the second half. And let's talk quickly about that. So um, I had a pretty good tweet in that. I said, hey, if, you know, in the preview article, I said, if Klingon gets in foul trouble, this change, you need to get him in foul trouble because it changes everything. It did change the trajectory of the game. Unfortunately, and this is a theme all year, Oduro has often been in foul trouble. And he puts – so you and I disagree in that a couple foul calls where 
um, you could argue as a foul or not. My my response to that, and we can have that argument, and I would welcome that. My my response to that is Odoro needs to be smart enough to not even put himself in that position to maybe have a foul called on him. Like we, I remember preseason we said Odoro might have we might have to live with Odoro not playing great defense, not getting a lot of rebounds because he can't be on the bench because we're so thin in the front court, and then McNair happens and it just magnifies that. So Odoro, while like you could say maybe two of his fouls were ticky-tack fouls, and I would listen to that argument, he just can't put himself in the position to get a foul called on him because clearly the refs were calling it tight. And again, going back to that, I hated the way they changed the flow of the game from Devin Carter's driving and he's not getting any calls. And then in the second half, it seemed like there were probably 10 straight possessions where UConn was spending that possession at the line because they call a foul. There was just no... It seemed like if you breathed on Tristan Newton, he was getting a foul. There was no consistency to the way they called the game. So if we want to call, if we want to complain about the refs, let's call like why we're complaining. There was no consistency on both ends. And that's what really bothers me. Like even at the end of the game, when the game's probably already decided, Klingon has a foul and then there's a foul on Carter and they don't call it. And you hear... Brando and Marshall talking about how, oh, you know, it's a great play. It's like, guys, you can't be calling everything on one side and then swallow the whistle on the other end. Like, it, that's what really bothered me about it, besides the fact that the refs were dictated the outcome of the game, in my opinion. So, um, it's interesting, right? Um, as you said in the open, both, uh, bo- both PC and UConn fans were singing the same tune about a horribly officiated game. And it's kind of funny. It's like, we're all in agreement, but nobody's on either side has said, you know, their piece, right? Like we feel like Carter, you know, got mugged a lot when he was driving, didn't get anything. I'm sure the UConn fans feel like, you know, this game is only close because, you know, Klingon gets in foul trouble and all this stuff. Klingon um, probably should have, had a, should have had about twenty fouls called on him while he was on the court. Okay, so the fourth, so the fourth foul call, where Danny Ainge, and I think that, or Danny Ainge, uh, Danny Hurley, um, and, and I think this was probably the turning point in the game because it, it like what happened? Klingon gets called for his fourth. Danny Hurley loses his shit and gets teed up. Um, and the Friars just did not convert at the line at that portion. I think they went one of four in the yeah. entire sequence. Yep. Um, and then on the flip side, Odoro gets called for his fourth pretty much immediately. And was that the one where it came for the rebound? Like he was going for the came rebound? Came for the rebound. And you could, you could yeah. say it was like that a 50-50. That- but it doesn't – but you, you can't – Odoro needs to know not to go for that. Eh. No, you like, need to he has know, every right need, to that basketball. You know, no, but you need to know it's 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 smart basketball. You need to know in that point, live for the next play. It's like a quarterback throwing a ball sure. out of bounds. Okay, fair enough. But like, I do think he has every right to that basketball, and he beat him to the spot. He got to the ball, and then the body contact happens. Um, oh, but whatever. The, the fourth one on Klingon, you know, they got furious. And see, this is what I hate because everyone's like, I wish refs would just call a foul when it's a foul, right? But obviously that's not the case. They call Human it five nature plays in. 
Yeah. And, and like they swallow the whistle late, right? And then they'll typically give you a little leeway if you're dealing with foul trouble, right? Um, and so the clinging fourth one to me was a foul. He's he has enough of an advantage that if he goes straight up, he's a brick wall, and his arm was coming down, and that's where the contact kind of occurred. So I thought that was a good foul. Although, to me, like, to give him his fourth at that time, I'm surprised they called. Um, and, like, I get Danny Hurley being furious because, again, if a guy's dealing with foul trouble, you give him a little bit of leeway on the next one, it would have to be pretty egregious. Like, that's – it feels like that's how games are typically called. Um, so, you know, I, I get Danny's uh, point of view being furious there. But, I mean, I'll tell you what, BOC, I almost invite, you know, the next game when we play them March 9th, I almost invite Klingon to play more because, okay, here's where he was very effective, in my opinion, the screen game, right? I thought him screening just opens up the whole side of the floor for UConn. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, we we were doing drop coverage and kind of, especially in the beginning of the game, we're letting them get these easy floaters, right? Um, but to me, Klingon wasn't effective, um, both with the basketball uh, in the post and then defending the post. Josh Arduro ate him a lot. Like, yeah. I was, I think, I was I surprised might, by that. It's funny. Besides, besides the foul trouble, I think it might have been Oduro's best game as a friar. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, it, it was funny because we talked about that in the pod going into the game, I was like, I feel like it's a massive advantage for Klingon, but I don't know. Like, Oduro's mm-hmm. got these post moves. And, dude, he was cooking them with them. Um, you know, he had that first cut to the basket, which was nice. Obviously, that's not a post move, but, you know, Klingon had no chance. Um, you know, th- there were other plays where um, his post moves were able to give him space and he- him make an easy lap. There were, there were cases, I will agree, where he was guarded pretty – heavily by Klingon still made the shot. Right. Um, and then also he was able to extend out a little bit. He had three in this game. He hit like a, a big mid range, but to me, I mean, Klingon's too slow, man. Like I've said, that, I said that when he got in the league or when he got to college, right. I was like, I don't know how good this guy's going to be. He's so slow. Last year he plays like 15 minutes a game and he's excellent for them. Um, and everyone's talking about, oh, he's got this the lateral speed to do this. Like, he's very effective. But, I mean, maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe it was just that game. But, man, like, he just doesn't move fluidly enough to, to defend. I think, jo- I think Josh is – I think Josh is also really tough to deal with. Like, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I, I think Klingon's a very good player. I also think Josh is one of the top big men in the Big East. Um, so – I, he, he's one of the best bigs in the country, in my opinion, in terms of pure post moves. Yeah, I agree, which is why Sunday is going to be so exciting. Um, yeah. One a couple of complaints that Providence fans had about, like, if we want to, like, if we're going to complain about the wrestles, like, call out why we're complaining. One of the, There's two things that jump out to me. Um, the Devin Carter charge call on Spencer was absolutely horrendous. It was a bad call. He was moving his feet the entire time. He wasn't set in position. Then the refs are so, or the bench is so mad about that call 
they then get a technical. So that's a four point swing because the ref made a bad call and compounded it by calling a technical because they were so upset with his crappy call. Oh, the you're other, right. I mixed that up. We didn't get a T on the Oduro fourth. Or no, did no, we? no, no, it was, it was on, it was on the, it was on the Carter charge call and the yeah, bench. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other one that really bothers me and it go th- So there's the other one that really bothers me is we had a transition fast break and Carter dishes it to ticket gains. What happens there? Um, one of the freshmen, I forget who it was. Stewart, I think. Yeah, Stewart. Yep. Stewart or Castle, one of the two. I forget which one. But he pushes gains in the back deliberately. He falls over instead of catching the pass and transition for a layup. They called a common foul there. Like the, it was a very intentional foul. They should have called it as such. But the way you're calling the game, everything's so close. If you're going, and they went to the monitor and reviewed it, he clearly pushes him in the back. How do you not call that intentional? Is beyond me, especially in a game in where they're calling things so tight. So that really bothered me. And then the latter, the latter half of the second half, where you, to your point, you breathe on Newton or Spencer. It's a foul call. They ruined this entire game by not being consistent and by making the game about them. And it's a real shame because both teams, I think. One, they don't like each other. They were going to go at each other hard, and it ruined the chance of a really good game. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, you know, I don't think Big East and Fox did themselves any favors to be like, most fouls, showing the graphic, most fouls called in the Big East game this season. Previous record. Today. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, but, I mean. But you, know, but you know what? It shows they can hang with the best team in the country because I think they – Honestly, I think they outplayed them for probably 30 or 40 minutes. Yeah, it's interesting. They they led for the majority of the first, but UConn probably led the majority of the second. You know, it, it'll be interesting. I'm interested to see in the return game on March 9th. I, I wrote it in the recap article that I, I actually am confident, but then you, you do kind of kind of look at the flip side here. Caravan oh. only one of five from three-point land. Uh, Spencer one of eight, Newton zero of three. So like, are you gonna get that again? But then again, are you gonna get ball going off? Or excuse me, Stefan Castle going off uh, in Providence. I, you know me. I feel like a guy like that will not have a good game on the road. But who knows? He's obviously yeah, also to, a special player. To your to your point, like again, this is the depth of UConn. Castle is their probably fourth or fifth scoring option. So when you're focusing your entire game on Klingon, on Caravan, on Spencer, on Newton, when you're the fifth scoring option, you're you're going to go off. And kudos to this Castle, he did go off. I also I also think we were horrendous from three. And again, I talked about a preview. If we're going to win this game, it's because we're going to be uncharacteristically hot from three. We were the exact opposite of that. And if there's anything we learned from this season, and I feel like I've said like. I feel like I've said this on this podcast for the past four years. Find some freaking shooters. Like, we just don't have enough shooters, and it's killing us. Like, we're top 10 in defensive efficiency. I'm getting fired up because it's so annoying. We're top 10 in defensive efficiency in Ken Palm, and it seems like we're at that range, like, almost every year under Cooley, and now we've ramped it up under English. We can't find find enough scores, and it's so frustrating. Well, I mean – that would have been remedied if you still had Hopkins, but yeah. Um, you know, 
Listen, like they didn't shoot well from three, but UConn did worse. You know, PC was they offset each other. Um, but yeah, to your point, if they could have just hit a few more threes, that might have, you know, made this game closer. Yeah, but my um, my my point is UConn had an off night from shooting. This is the norm for PC, like doing yeah. this. So at some point, it's not like a oh the shots are eventually going to drop. It's maybe we don't have the players that shoot the ball that well, and we need to find them. I'm fine with them continuing to take a bunch of threes, though. I really am, um, because I just think it puts pressure on the opposing team. Um, if you're getting good open looks from three, take them, uh, is my opinion. But um, I, I guess one final thing about the UConn game, uh, in in terms of the officiating, we had, hadn't gotten into this. Samson Johnson just does not set a legal screen. It's It drove me nuts. He was either moving... Or like putting his his hands out as he was screening instead of you know standing straight up, like unbelievable. It didn't get called once. It didn't get called okay. once. It okay, we complained about it during the Creighton game and also the Scene Hall game. I think we're just like old old white guys who just like want to see like that called and it's just never going to happen. Like it's just the way basketball is now. Yeah, yeah, but like, um, someone commented on a recap article. That was like, you know, it was interesting because Hurley gets on the refs, gets a T. He just keeps going, cussing them out. Didn't get a second T. Yeah. And then when we got our T, you got Kim English and the ref calmly talking to one another. And the guy was like, you know, maybe you need to be a jerk. Like, maybe you need to be an asshole in the refs to get, get what you want. Oh, man. But, like, let's just put that painful game in the rear view now. I think it's time. You know, say we, we we've hammered this long enough. Uh, I don't want to relive that game ever again. Uh, let's close the book on that. Let's move over to Villanova PC hosting. Or excuse me, we'll go on the road to Wells Fargo Center Sunday at six p.m. Very odd tip, but uh, no football this week, so that maybe adds up. Um, fascinating game, in my opinion. Boc. You got the Friars on one side who, you know, let, let's face it, they need to they need to get some wins down the stretch here in order to um, make the NCAA tournament as an at-large. Villanova, on the other hand, has just had the strangest season, I think, of all time. Um, <laughs> like, it's crazy, man. So Villanova, you know, they're riding a five-game losing streak, and I'll get to that piece. I... I freaking hate that. Like, I hate that so much. I, I just wish they got that that Marquette game. And that was a weird game, too. They were down like a million. They stormed all the way back, retake the lead, and then just can't get it done. But, like, they lose to Penn. They follow that up with a win over Maryland. And, yes, I know Maryland's just mediocre this year. But then they win battle for Atlantis, including beating a Texas Tech team that's now ranked, a UNC team that's – you know, before that Georgia Tech loss is, is looking to get a one seed. Um, and then a, a Memphis team that has started to struggle, they had a massive loss to Rice. Um, but three very good teams, right? So they win that, they come home, and then drop St. Joe's, Drexel, and K-State in a row. Um, and then you're like, this team stinks. They lost to all the big five schools. Um, their resume is horrible. They're six and four. Then what do they do? 
They beat a bad UCLA team. They open up Big East play with a win on the road in overtime against Creighton. They go they go to Cintas and get a one-point win. Also sandwiched in the middle of that was a 40-point, uh, not quite 40, 36-point victory over DePaul at DePaul. Um, and so you're like, okay, they're back. They're 10-4. and four. Like, they're back on track here. Uh, and then they proceed to lose six of their last seven with the only win being a 15-point win against DePaul. This team is falling apart. And you want to talk about, you said UConn's depth is such a big plus for them. I think Villanova's depth is a huge detriment to them. Like, take a look at Villanova's uh, roster here. Mm-hmm. They have, uh, they have six, 11 got or 10, no, excuse me, nine players at least averaging 11 minutes. So they just they can't find any. They can't rotation. find a lineup that that that, that works for them. Dude, uh, it, it, it remind honestly it reminds me of remember when Cooley would have deep teams and he would have no idea how to how to like play those rotations. It kind of reminds me of that. Yeah. Um, and dude, it talks to like again. I know you're you love the transfer portal more than myself, but this is the detriment of a transfer portal where you need the pieces to fit instantaneously, or it leads to kind of a wonky season like this one and and you know the Villanova culture was always bide your time develop develop oh and then Mikhail Bridges comes out of nowhere and is an absolute stud as a junior they don't have that luxury in the transfer portal because if you're not getting time as a freshman or sophomore people are leaving and it's that that like the Villanova culture and like the UNC culture in like the 2010s that was like the gold standard where you were a McDonald's All-American, a four or five star, but you still waited and like until your sophomore, junior, and then you would explode. That just doesn't happen anymore, and it's hurting Villanova in a big way. And the culture is so unique at Villanova that these one-year rentals just don't fit in, and it's it's showing. It showed last year. It showed this year. It's just not. Yeah, working. I mean, at the same time, though, I, I don't know. At this juncture, I don't know what Villanova's culture is. <laughs> I'm well, not up to. Uh, well, that, I just don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe the culture's gone. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, it's funny. Like, I thought Burton would be a perfect Nova player, and he's kind of struggled this year, making the jump from the A10. Um, I thought Hakeem Hart was an excellent ad. He's only at seven points a game. Mm-hmm. Um, TJ Bamba, I expected more out of him. He's been pretty good, ten point six points per game. But uh, the kid from Washington State, I thought he would be a great ad as well. It's just not working out for him. Um, and then obviously, for anybody. obviously the, the elephant in the room, Lance Ware, a guy that Province was after. He, he the guy just, that, by the way, that land, that they had, and then Nova came in over the top with their NIL war chest. Yep. And what has he done for them? 20 games, 11 minutes, 1.5 points per game, 2.2 rebounds per game. Um, so yeah, I mean, they're a mess, but I'm telling you, like, it's going to be tough. I I really think it's going to be tough because like, you got to kill the beast again. You think about last year. They're, they're, they're wounded, uh, disarmed. They're, they're a beast, I guess, but they're like a shell of themselves. I'm, I... I agree with you, BOC, but like, think about this last year, 
we played them the second game at the dunk. Uh, the infamous tall boy ban occurs because uh, beer gets thrown onto the court. Um, but that game, Villanova was in a similar predicament where like, it's like they need to get a win if they are serious about getting an at-large. And obviously circumstances are a little bit different because Justin Moore was coming back, right? And they had that yeah. horrid start and they started to get things going again, but they really needed to get that PC when they didn't get it. And sure enough, they missed the tournament. Um, this is a must-have of must-haves for Villanova on Sunday. Well, it's also uh, – yes, I agree, but I, I, at this point it might be they just have to win out. Like, like I'm not – I'm not – maybe that's a little bit too much, but, like, they, there's 10 games left in the Big East, right? They need to go 7-3, 8-2. Yeah, I mean, what they have going for them is the metrics still like them, despite yeah. the record. Um, I mean, it, it kind of points to why I freaking hate metrics. Um, you know, th- they're 51 in net, so... And what are we, like 58? We're 54. Okay. And, like, Villano- Villanova's 11 and 10. <laughs> like, yeah. It's frustrating, but whatever. Um, and it's not like it's not like it's an eleven and ten where the ten losses were to all amazing teams. No, exactly. Um, I, I check out the preview article on our website. Um, the thing that the the thing that concerns me is they do have six players on their team for a team that's I think they're I think they might be last in the Big East in scoring. Um, they're sorry, they are. They're third to last. We are, yeah, they're third to last behind Georgetown and DePaul. So I guess they're effectively last. Um, they don't score a lot, but they have six players who can shoot over 30% from three. So the thing that scares me is if they go uncharacteristically hot from three, um, which can happen. Um, again, Odoro, I think, has a really nice matchup in this one. I think I like, I like Eric Dixon a lot. I think his footwork his post work is incredible the fact that he can stroke the three is a really good factor against some of these taller bigs in the big east but i think odoro should have a field day um i think carter should have an absolute field day i love our defense in this one everybody even in losses think about what patino said about our team think about what we did against uconn we i think like we played uconn better than most and anybody has all all season honestly um Outside of Kansas and uh, whoever yeah. else I lost. But, it, but also it was like, it was Kansas on the road. It was like Kansas on the road, Seton Hall. At, so yeah. No, okay. no, it was Seton Hall on the road too. Both road games. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I, I said that wrong, but I was, you're right. Um, but our defense is stifling. And that, yeah. again, t- top 10 Ken Palm. I think it's eight right now. Nova doesn't have the ball handlers to really break the man defense like Armstrong. I actually like Armstrong a lot. I think he's, he's improved, but he's still like erratic. I I look at him. Honestly, I look at him the same way as I look at Pierre. Yeah. Yeah. They're both, they're both sophomores who I think are going to be really good big East players as juniors and seniors. Um, Not everybody's going to be a one and done. Um, No, of course. But like besides Armstrong, who do they have to take care of the basketball? I mean, Burton, Burton is, a horkler, right? Like he gets stroke right. it, he's bigger, he can rebound. They don't have anybody who can really take us off the dribble. Like 
Think about Justin Moore. Even when he was at his best, he was at his best because he was posting up these guards in the post and just abusing them, which he tried to do that against Carter last year and Carter took him to school. Like there aren't a lot of players who can create one-on-one on their team. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I will say this, Villanova takes care of the ball very well. I think they only average like 10 turnovers a game. Um, on the flip side though, I don't think they get a lot of turnovers. I think they're around five steals a game and obviously steals don't, you know, there's more to turnovers than just steals, right? Mm-hmm. But they're not really a team that can turn you over. So I think another key to this game, I, I think three-point, you know, like your article said, is definitely huge. Um, making your free throws, that was probably the the, the smallest um, key to a game explanation that we've had yeah. in Providence Crier history. Um, but uh, – but yeah, I, I think that that piece of it will be interesting. Yeah. Can PC's defense overwhelm them and create turnovers? And if not, can PC not shoot themselves in the foot with terrible turnovers? I think that's that's an important piece here too. Yeah. Um, I think we need to see Corey Floyd have another consistent game because that'd be fantastic. He had a great game against UConn. I would love to see him carry it over. Dual's got to be better with the basketball. He's, in my opinion, he's been a little bit of a disappointment. I think the light bulb still hasn't gone on yet. Biggie's Biggie's just, you know, they eat their young, and I think Garway's dealing with that right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Garway, um, you know, he had a bad game against UConn, no question. But I will at least give him credit for at least trying to attack the basket and score. Uh, yeah. You know, try and get some shots up, like – so now it's just a matter of getting all that together, right? Yeah. You know, being effective, driving to the hoop and finishing around the rim, finding guys. Um, but then also having the aggressiveness to do it, you know, but, but we'll see. So you gave your prediction 73, 70, right? Uh, you got a PC victory. Let's see. I'll go 75, 70 PC. Oh, I'm worried. I am still worried. About it. I'll go with Providence, but I am still worried about it. And then, you know, quickly before we wrap here, you'll see. They win the game. That'd be massive um, for their tournament chances. This, this is the type of win that we need on the road to. Yeah. We can't go status quo. So we need to steal one or two on the road. Yeah. I mean, we got seen Hall one already, which is great, but, but this would be huge. Um, Cause then you look at the rest of the schedule. They got at Marquette. At Georgetown, am I missing one? At Marquette, at Georgetown, um, at Xavier. Okay, yep, I knew I was missing one. Uh, and then they got five home games. Um, yeah. And to me, if you lose this one, you really got to – I think the focus becomes to really serve serve uh, on your home court and, and win out those last five at home. Yep. Um you know, may, maybe with the exception of, of UConn not being a must win, but, you know. We're going to be, be, be out for blood on that one. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. All right. Anything else before we get out of here, BOC? No, man. Uh, I, sh- I should uh, should be there on Sunday, so I'll put on the ground. Oh, wow. You, you, you got the A-OK. Yes, I did. All right. Well, I know you got dad duty right now and we don't want to get you uh, in trouble and not 
and revoke, not being revoke, able to have boots on the ground. So, so uh, until next time, Fire Town. See you later. See you guys.